hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. I hope everyone had a terrific Thanksgiving holiday. I know I did. I got to spend it with family and friends. And I tell you, I don't think I could have eaten any more. So it's good to be back. I'm probably about 10 pounds heavier than I was last Wednesday when I did the podcast. But can you blame me? Who doesn't love pie? Let's talk about the markets. If the market can stay in the green for the next couple of days and finish out the month higher than when we started, well, we'll have lucky 13. 13 is my favorite number. That's right. 13 straight monthly gains for the S&P 500. That's amazing. That hasn't happened in 90 years. And if December turns out to be positive, it'll be the first time ever that we've had positive gains for every month of the year. Since November of last year, the market's up almost 25%, right? We're all geniuses. We all made the right investments. Well, the market's up 25%. And what's scary is it's the longest streak in history where we haven't had a correction of 3% or more. Investors have forgotten what it's like to have the market go down. We've become complacent. I'll tell you, a 3% dip in the market would probably make a lot of people really, really nervous. The reality is, let's step back and take a look at this. The reality is, is that over the last 100 years, on average, the market has declined by 3% or more every 22 days. That's right. Over the last 100 years, on average, the market has declined by 3% or more every 22 days. It's kind of normal. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I've been pretty positive on the economy and the markets. Yes, we're always at risk for a bit of a reset on the market. And if we do get a 5% type pullback, it's one that I think should probably be bought. Now, we're headed into the time of year that has historically been very good for the equity markets. December and January are usually the two strongest months of the year. Doesn't mean it's going to happen this year, but historically, December and January are pretty darn good. In terms of outlook for the coming year, a lot's going to depend on the pace of economic growth. Sustaining the bull market requires a Goldilocks type of growth outcome of not too hot, not too cold. That's possible. But you know what? I'm not making it my base case scenario. I think output gaps are closing and upside inflation surprises could be in store for next year. Now, this will encourage the central banks to keep moving away from their hyper easy policies, setting up for a eventually a collision with the markets in the second half of next year. Eventually, if growth slows enough, that inflation or that recession fears spike. Well, you got it. That would be bad for stocks. 
Now, I'm going to lay all this out at our annual Outlook presentation that we do in January. I've already started getting ready, spending a lot of time on this. And what I'm going to do during this uh, presentation is I'm going to spend some time on the big picture and what's happened over the last year. And I'll talk about what I think will happen in the coming year and even beyond that. And then we'll spend most of our time talking about fundamentals, which is what we really do. We focus on the fundamentals. We're value investors. We're not macro economists. We aren't trying to time the markets. So what I'll do is I'll talk about three different areas where you might want to be invested. And then I'll talk about two, well, where you might want to be more cautious on. And I'll give you specific ideas to go along with them. We should be getting the registration page up here soon, and I'll let you know when that happens. Now, today, we're going to cover some good stuff. We'll talk about two stocks that you can do your research on and see if they're appropriate for you and your portfolio. That's right. You always need to do your homework to see if an investment is right for you. You just can't go out and buy something because maybe you read a research report or you heard it on the TV or what have you. You know this. Yeah, you have to do your own research to make sure it's right for you. So let's get started. Here I am. I'm sitting here Monday morning. I have a nice big cup of dark roast coffee in front of me and some housing data. The coffee was good, but the data was better. U.S. new home sales increased 6.2% last month to a seasonally adjusted rate of 685,000 homes. That's the highest since October of 2007. And we all remember what happened back then. Now, this was a bit of, of a surprise because September numbers were so good. A lot of people were expecting some give back here. And not only did the new uh, the number of new homes sold increase, but the price did too. The median home price was up to $312,800. Now, that was up from 302,000 last year. So about a 3.5% increase. New inventory, uh, new home inventory dropped to a 4.9 month supply, and that's from a five and a half month supply last month. So there are less new homes available. Supply's getting tight. Now, this is great news for the home builders, but they're going to face some challenges going forward, in my opinion. First, they have to find labor to get the new homes built, and they're looking at a near all-time high in lumber prices, and you're facing possible changes in the mortgage interest deduction, higher interest rates, so on and so forth. Now, the home builders year to date, they're the best performing sub-index within the consumer discretionary stocks. Yes, even better than the internet retailing group that Amazon is a part of. And the group is best at the broad market by 50 percentage points. It's incredible. We've talked about these stocks a couple of months ago, and to me, they seem like they've gotten a, a bit ahead of themselves at the moment. I still like them, but I think the more compelling value is in the home supply retailing stocks like Home Depot and Lowe's. Lowe's is my favorite here because of valuation. And that's basically a way of me saying, hey, I'm cheap. 
Lowe's is trading about 17 times earnings. Home Depot is about 24 times earnings. So I think Home Depot is expensive. I think that you get about the same type of growth out of both of these, but you're more likely to get multiple expansion from Lowe's. Multiple expansion, meaning what people are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings. I'm a buyer of Lowe's symbol LOW under $78. But again, you need to do your own research and make sure it's appropriate for you. Listen, we need to step away, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the consumer and how confident they are. I want to give you another stock that you can take away and do your research on. This is Eric Whiteman. We are back in just a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested along the way. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement. It's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website, xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, welcome back to today's show. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join us. If you have a question for the show, well, email us. You can send it to podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, which is plural, at xmlfg.com. Before we went to the break, we were talking about housing prices. And housing prices are showing the confidence that consumers have right now. And this showed up again on Monday. Oops, I'm sorry, Cyber Monday. According to Adobe, we spent more than six and a half billion dollars on Monday getting ready for the holiday season. And that's 16% more than last year. And who's the big winner here? Amazon. Or actually, maybe it's Jeff Bezos because his net worth just went over $100 billion. I got to ask you, what do you do with $100 billion? You have to almost give it all away, right? You couldn't possibly spend that kind of money. Anyhow, again, According to Adobe, Amazon captured more than 50% of the online sales. And that's why, that's why I like FedEx, symbol FDX. Now, FedEx is trading around $219, pays a little bit less than a 1% dividend, which I'm not too thrilled about. Anyhow, it's an old favorite of mine. I've owned it for a couple of years, as well as Uh, I own Lowe's too. I got to mention that, but I've owned FedEx for a couple of years. And from a big picture perspective, well, the world economies are growing as a whole and they've been doing pretty darn good. And because of that, we've seen global export expectations and global ton miles shipped increase. As a matter of fact, on FedEx's last conference call, they said this was the best year for global trade in years. Now, FedEx has two larger segments, one smaller one and one, well, really teeny. The two big ones are the express business and the ground business. 
last quarter, the express part of the business was about 57% of their revenue and the ground business was about 30% of their revenue. And then you move on down the list, freight business, well, they came in third accounting for about 11% of revenue. And then the smallest piece is the services, which is about 3% of revenues. And that's why I really don't talk about them very much. So the biggest piece is the express business. Did you know that they're the largest cargo airliner in the world? 57% of the revenues, but their margins are about 8%. That's not bad. I shouldn't have said, but 8% margins aren't bad. The ground business, again, being about 30% of the revenues, produces margins in the mid-teens. The ground business is almost twice as profitable as the express business. And if you think about the express business, well, it makes sense because the express business has a relatively high operating costs. Just think about the nearly 700 planes they have, and then all the fuel costs and the maintenance that go along with those planes. Now, once you cover these fixed costs, the fuel, the maintenance, the leasing costs, the ownership, all that, once you cover the fixed costs, well, then you can start putting more and more towards the bottom line. So it's important for FedEx to focus on the growth and productivity in this segment. For every 1% in improved margin, well, that equates to about 50 cents per share in earnings. Last week, I talked about the importance of free cash flow. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Over the last couple of years, FedEx has been spending a lot of money modernizing its fleet and its facilities, and hopefully that'll pay off over the long run. So when you do your research, you'll want to keep this in mind as you go figuring out the free cash flow. There are their CapEx expenses over the last few years have been much higher than their maintenance CapEx. And that's been, uh, so again, you want to keep that in mind. FedEx also said that they're going to be increasing their prices by almost 5% starting in January. Now, right now, as I said, the stock is trading around $219 and I'd expect them to earn about $12.5 per share next year, which means they're trading about 17 times next year's earnings guesstimate, my guesstimate. That's about average over the last 15 years, but you know, you know what comes next, right? That's too much for me to pay because I'm cheap. If we do get a pullback in equity prices, I'd do a little buying under 205, which would be about 16 times next year's earnings, which I don't think is crazy. And if it hits 190, well, I'd own a full type position. That would be about 15 times next year's guess. So you have the time to get ready. You have the time to do your homework. They have a great balance sheet. They get A++ from value line, 100 in earnings predictability, and a one for safety. These are all the highest marks you can get from value line. So here, you have a very high quality company trading for less than what the market is, even though they've grown their earnings on average of better than 16% per year for the last five years. I'll also point out that management 
the officers and directors, well, they own about eight and a half percent of the company. So they clearly are going to care about what happens in the future. My only wish here is, is that they paid a higher dividend. Well, that's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next Wednesday. We'll have fresh ideas for you. And remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.